All right, everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. Um, Ian is joining me tonight, and we have a very, very special guest. You uh, you will remember him as number 99. You will remember him as uh, a two-time Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro, a consensus All-American at Clemson and a member of the all-90s NFL decade team, and he played one hell of a game in Super Bowl Thirty. but I don't want to talk much about Super Bowl Thirty because uh, we know what ultimately happened. But he had 10 tackles and an inter- or excuse me, in a sack of Troy Aikman in that game, and uh, he is none other than LaVon Kirkland. LaVon, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for asking, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, I I am absolutely thrilled, um, you know, and I know Ian Ian's a little bit younger than I am, but but he mm-hmm. was uh, a, a fan obviously at that time too, and and uh, the I miss the '90s, man. Um, football Good was time. just different; it was just different. Yes. Uh, but we'll we'll get into that. You you know, you're part of the the Believe in Clemson football podcast now at, at your alma mater there at Clemson. Um, Tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved and, and how it's going. Yeah, well, I, I got the invitation uh, from the guys, and they thought that it would be a good show. Focusing on Clemson University and because of my affiliation with Clemson and being able to talk the game a little bit, they thought it would be a good combination. And uh, we're doing the show, and it's, it's doing pretty well so far. And I love talking about Clemson football. And, you know, I'm sure that a lot of my friends are tired of me going in depth about Clemson football. So this is a good outlet for me. Well, look, who could blame you? I, I mean, the the run that they've been on in the last several years with, with Dabo and, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence is obviously probably, probably going to be the top one or two picks. Let's right. be honest. Um, yeah, and 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 you've you've just had an amazing um, opportunity to cover that team. So, what, what has it been like for for you guys covering this team in, in this pandemic and the way things are? Yeah, it's been a mixed bag, you know, because you, you're not only talking about the pandemic; you're talking about the Black Lives Matters movement yep. and what Clemson did as far as a football team, as they did a peaceful um, protest. Mm-hmm. And they talked to the fans and they talked to um, the community about where they stand. So mm-hmm. a lot of times that's not easy. You know, a lot of people kind of want things the way they were and just oh, yeah. shut up and play football. <laughs> and this is a communist movement. And you're getting a lot and you're getting some of that from some of the Clemson fans because of yeah. just the decals that the guys are having on their helmets. And I think these guys are not trying to be political. They're just saying, hey, we want to be, we want equality. We want unity. And that's what teams are always talking about. Mm-hmm. So why don't, why wouldn't you extend that to real life? And I think that, you know, I would hope that some of our fans would kind of open their minds a little bit and understand where these players are coming from. And, and I told my sister, I said, you know, it's funny that some of those people who are making those complaints about the players mm-hmm. are the same people that want to shove an autograph in their face and have them take a selfie with their babies. But they don't want to care about them as human beings. 
which I don't really understand. I that is the first time I've heard it put that way, and that's it is so true. It is so true. Um, right. and, and and I I see fans all the time that they're they're fans of their team on game day, but as soon as the game day's gone, they're not fans of those individuals anymore. And, no. and and that type of thing that you just described is so true. I've I've been to Latrobe uh, several times. I've seen the training camp and the mobs of fans. And you're exactly right. It, it, you know, give me a picture. Give me a picture. This is my baby. Sign an autograph. You turn your back to go with somebody else, and they go right back to being who they were. And uh, yeah. man, what a, what a great point. It, it really uh, is. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know the the team and the program though. It's mm-hmm. a great program. It really is. Uh, I, I think Dabo Sweeney has done a tremendous job yeah. with the team. There's no doubt about what he's done. And the players that have come in there, and I say this one thing about Clemson and what they're doing, mm-hmm. they're doing a great job of graduating their student athletes and winning championships, and that's a, a nice combination. And Absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be affiliated with them, and – I hope that this show shows my passion and love for Clemson University. But, you know, I'm also a man, too. And during this time, I hope people understand my passion for African-Americans and also my passion for the student athletes. I don't really believe in calling those guys out and mm-hmm. saying they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't do that or he should run better or they should bench him. You know, I, I'm coming from – that perspective of being a student athlete and also being yes. a player that played on a professional level. And I hope that I can give uh, the Clemson fans and the, po- and the podcast world out there some expertise that you may not get in a lot of ways. Well, I, I, I think you're doing just that. And I think you're also giving a very, very straightforward take and I think right. people need that. And and I, yeah, you know, it, it means something to hear it, but it also means something to hear it from somebody who's been there, um, right. who, who's been in the locker room, who's seen the ups and the downs of those relationships with, with fellow teammates, coaches and stuff. So, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, yes. If we could, I, I don't know how much you still follow the Steelers and stuff, but um, what, what did you get a chance to see them at all on Monday night in New York? What, what were your overall thoughts? <laughs> I did. I really got a chance to see them. And I'm telling you, for not really having any preseason games and being coming back from a injury that he had, I thought that the Steelers looked pretty good. I was really impressed with their defense. And for me being a defensive player, sometimes it's hard to impress me as a defensive unit because I've been on some really good ones. But I thought their defense really played fast and hard. And it's cool to see, especially when you're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, no doubt about it, the Pittsburgh Steelers are always about great defense. Always going to be about great defense. If If you don't play great defense at Pittsburgh, there's a problem. So to see those guys run around the way they did, and I thought Bud Dupree was an absolute stud. And I know some people are going to say, well, it's the Giants. It's an NFL team. Those guys get paid too. So <laughs> they do. you're playing a team like that, you're supposed to beat them like that. So I thought that the defense played well. I thought Ben looked, you know, after he got all the nerves, I thought yeah. he looked pretty sharp. And I think he kind of 
remember who he was. I think a lot of times as you get older as a player, you start listening to other people saying how old you are. But I thought Ben did a great job of throwing the ball around, spreading it out to his receivers. Mm-hmm. I thought, is it Shell or Snell? It's Snell, right? The yeah, Benny I- Snell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I yeah. want to make sure I get it right. Yeah. I thought he ran the ball pretty hard. You oh, know? definitely. To come in there, you know, uh, with really not a whole lot of experience, but I thought the guy plays with a chip on his shoulder. He runs the ball yes. extremely hard. You can say, oh, he's not the fastest, he's not the most talented. But to me, a physical uh, – you, you can never underestimate a physical running back and what he does for the game. And I thought he did a pretty good job of running the ball. And I think that a kid earns a little bit more playing time, mm, at least definitely. being a little switch up, a little change of um, a change of scenery there. I thought they looked as good as – uh, as good as you could expect a team to look on that first that first game. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to put it, and, and I agree with you about Ben. It, it, there was nerves, there was rust, and uh, I thought that that two minute drill at the end of that first half, um, right. he started to click, uh, and, and then it kind of took over from there. Um, you you mentioned the defense, and, and you obviously played on a very very good defense uh, yourself. The sixty minute men defense. The sixty minute men defense. That's it. Sixty uh, minutes. And, and, you know, Greg Lloyd and, and Kevin Green and Rod Woodson. And, and what is the feeling like when you know your unit is just on top of it? You are playing at the at the absolute pinnacle of your game. What is that feeling like? I'm telling you, it's the best feeling in the world because you know that everybody is on board. You know that you can count on every guy playing mm-hmm. – at a hundred percent, and that the that the guy beside you or in front of you, mm-hmm. and even behind you. In my case, you know that they can get the job done, and they're going to make plays, and you can depend on them. And it's a trust factor there that's uh, phenomenal. But the confidence level that you have mm-hmm. as a defense is just special. And I really believe that confidence is a a big part of playing football. If you're not confident in your scheme, in your team, mm-hmm. then a lot of times you're not going to have that mindset that you're going to win no matter what. And I felt like we we're going to stop people no matter what, that they were not going to get 100 yards. You know, we had these goals oh, yeah. every game of not getting 100 yards, you know, having three or more sacks. I mean, we used to, I mean, it was ingrained in your skull <laughs> that, you know, this was Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And then from a linebacker standpoint, with the lineage that you had as far as Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Russell, Merriweather, guys like that on defense, yeah. as a yeah. as an inside linebacker, I really took it to heart that I wanted to represent Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, and how the game was supposed to be played. And then you had, out of all those alphas on that defense, you had, I think, the biggest alpha of them, of them all, Greg Lloyd. Yeah. And then the other one, Ron Woodson. And you had to play to that level. You, you saw the last dance with Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we basically had two of those guys that were <laughs> like that. And if you had, if you had sensitive skin, you couldn't play for that defense because – 
back then, those guys would just, they would call you out mm-hmm. if you did not play to their level. They would just simply call you out. They would say that, hey, don't put him on the field. Wow. He's not playing with us. That's the kind of that's the kind of conversation you would have with Greg Lloyd. So can you imagine me being the signal caller <laughs> with those guys around and trying to give order? It was quite the task. I'm, really I'm, guess, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't want to get the call wrong. That's that's for sure. Or, you know, sometimes they want to change the call. <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, don't, cha- don't change it, please. But uh, I've been in the huddle where Greg Lloyd's like, we're not running that. I'm like, okay, what would you like to run, Mr. Lloyd? So, <laughs> um, it was it was quite the adventure, man. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun also. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, Ian, I'm doing all the talking. Go ahead and fire off a question. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to say it's it's a real honor to get to interview you. My family's had Thank Steelers you. season tickets for a long time, and I basically grew up at Three River Stadium watching oh, you guys play in the, in the 90s. And uh, yeah. I, I actually – your jersey was one of the first ones I got as a kid. So oh, I, I have a LeVon Kirkland jersey hanging <laughs> somewhere all in the All the jerseys you can get from the – Steelers. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a LeVon Kirkland Jersey. And then the one I got after that was Jerome Bettis. So that was I can understand know, that. Did, did yeah. pretty good for my first two. Um, yeah. So actually I wanted to ask about that, that Jerome once said that you were the only linebacker that he didn't want to be hit by. Um, <laughs> so did, did you have any running backs that you particularly liked going against, you know, any teams that you kind of circled on your calendar and said, Oh, I want to light this guy up. Uh, I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite guys was Eddie George. Because Eddie George was a big back, and I remember his rookie year coming in, won the Heisman. And his first two games, I think he ran for, like, almost 400 yards. His first two games. He he ran for 200, and everybody's like, look out for this guy. And he got a lot of hype. And Eddie is a really good player. He's a tough player. Yeah, and I couldn't wait to play against him because I wanted him to understand the division he was in and the defense that he's going to have to face with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So now he had no clue who I was mm-hmm. as a player. And, you know, a lot of times college players with a lot of hype, they don't really know some of the players that are in the league that are just as good or better than yeah. what they think. So he's point. coming in the league thinking like, I just popped off 200 yards. I'm going to do the same thing with Pittsburgh Steelers. And I remember we just lightened him up. <laughs> and uh, he he basically told me after that game, he was like, who is number 99? Who is this guy? Because, you know, it, it, during that time, man, I was kind of hidden a little bit. You know, you're thinking about yeah. Kevin and Greg. You know, in the 3-4, yep. the outside yep. linebackers are the guys. And oh, then definitely. also you got Chad Brown who were rushed a quarterback on the third mm-hmm. down. And I did – I loved what I did, but it was a lot of the grunt, dirty work as far yeah. as attacking the run. And a lot of times running down the field with tight ends and sometimes wide receivers covering guys out in the backfield. Oh, yeah. So a lot of guys – and we had so many great guys that on any other team I would have been the outstanding player. Yeah. But on that team you just kind of blend in, and which was good with me. So Eddie George That's didn't probably know exactly who I was, and I wasn't a household <laughs> name. But after that game, he figured it out. <laughs> he knew after. <laughs> I, I really like. I really like going against Eddie. 
Oh man, that's a great story. And you know, and and some people listening might not remember or they weren't alive, but you know, at that time, Eddie George, uh, Oilers slash Titans would have been in in our division, um, right? Yeah. And and so we saw them twice a year, twice a year, yeah. 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 And um, you know, like I said, Eddie was a really good player, no question about oh, it. Yeah. But I thought, like you know, being a competitor, especially on that level. You really don't feel like anybody is better than you. Yeah. But <laughs> I imagine the media and everything and him winning the Heisman and getting off to a great start. Yeah. They kind of pump guys up. And a competitor does not need more fuel on his fire. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't at all. I mean, I play the game regardless. But when you tell it, you tell me that this guy is so much better. And he's this great player. You're going to go out there and prove that he's not. And so that's my feelings toward anybody that I played mm-hmm. against. But and especially, I had the guys to back me up, man. We had that defense, and we were innovative in a lot of ways in what oh, we yeah. did. That really, that defense, it really pulled the quarterback from being in the center because we were there so fast and so quick that. They couldn't see it in time. So they had, I think, the 3-4 Blitzburg defense we had, it made a lot of offense to say, hey, we might need to do this from the shotgun instead of under the center because we don't have a chance. So it was a lot. And you know, the thing is, too, it was a lot of fun to play in that defense. And I think sometimes coaches miss that, that man, make the scheme fun, you know, where guys want to play the scheme, you know, that is not – just dreary all the time that man that hey i'm gonna sing you i'm gonna let you be aggressive you know and i thought that don capers bill cowher mm-hmm. especially coach dick lebeau yeah was innovative enough and understood what they had that they're just like hey we're gonna let these guys free man we're gonna let them play the game and and i think a lot of times i wish more schemes were like that but i i can say that i thought monday it looked like the pittsburgh defense was having a lot of fun yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and I'm I, just to kind of piggyback on that. Do you think coaches, both at the college level and the pro level, have they gotten to the point where, where they got too much control and just don't let the guys play? Well, I, I think so. In some instances, they do. Yeah. Maybe not every instance, but I think in a lot of instances, yeah. You know, they, they want to control the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But you got to realize that players play, yeah. they're out on the field. So, what you put on the board and what you think in theory, it mm-hmm. works every time when you put it on the board. But when you get on the field, now you're Definitely. going against Barry Sanders and you're like, hey, coach, <laughs> that defense we drew up is not quite working. And so a lot of times, I always say this, most every defense really has a weakness. And if you study it long enough, you can pick the weakness. and You can say, hey, we're going to attack here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the players make the difference. A lot of times you can play stuff because you got the players that can do it. Whether there's a team that's an extremely smart team or a team that's an extremely athletic team, you know, you can let Rob Wilson play cover two and cover three. That's his own concept, but he can make a play out of those. You don't have to man him up all the time. Or you got a Greg Lloyd that's going to bust up a double team. Or Kevin Mm -hmm. Green that's going to be really savvy and make that sack or Chad Brown that's going to find a way to get between that B gap and get on the quarterback. 
So a lot of times the defenses, yeah, they do have weaknesses, but you got to trust your players to make up the difference. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great answer. That's I was a, curious. Very that's curious. an excellent point. And I, yeah. I think we've seen that a little bit here in Pittsburgh since Minka Fitzpatrick joined the team that, you know, they're essentially running a similar scheme. They didn't change the scheme, but they just have a better player out on the field that can make those plays. So yeah, that's an and, excellent point. And then, and then you have like a guy like Troy and what he brought to the mm-hmm. Steelers. And a lot of times Troy would do things as a coaching standpoint, they just, you would say, that's not really sound. He doesn't supposed <laughs> to do that. Like, right. I'm almost sure there's not a defense that's drawn up and say, okay, Troy, I want you to run in there like you got man with the motion, and then I want you to jump over the top and make a sack, <laughs> on, the quarterback, a sack on the quarterback. There is no defense uh, in God's green earth that has any safety going with the motion and stopping and saying, hey, you know what, by the way, I'm going to sack the quarterback. And so sometimes it's okay. You need, and sometimes, man, if you get a player like that, that can really use his instinct and has, has the ability, sometimes you let him go. You know, a good coach recognize that and say, you know what? Just let him do his thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I know it's Mm -hmm. not sound, but let him do his thing. And there's a lot of times, you know, for example, when, when I was with Greg and Kevin and all those guys, they would do things, and I would say, hey, if you're going to spill it or if you're going to squeeze it, mm-hmm. I said, do whatever. I can make up the difference. I'll make you right. And sometimes we would talk like that, like, listen, hey, I'm about to, okay, I got your back. I think you become too robotic when, you know, guys are like, yes. well, I got this gap and I got this gap. The whole thing is to make plays, to make yeah. tackles. And to help your team win. So sometimes you may go outside of the scheme, mm-hmm. but I always say trust the players and trust their eyes. If they're seeing something and they know they can attack it, hey, man, go get it. But you better make that play if you're going to do it. Man, that is spoken like a guy who's spent a lot of time in the inside linebacker right there. Uh, <laughs> no Ian, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> oh, so something I'm always really curious about because, um, you know, I've, obviously grew up going to games. I was very superstitious. I wouldn't wash my jerseys. I wouldn't wash my towels. I you know, do everything a certain way. Did you have any pregame rituals that you like had to go through every game before you went on the field? Oh man. I would like to think that I wasn't superstitious, but I probably <laughs> was. Right. So there were a few things that I did. I will always come to the game two hours before and I would never warm up. Like, you know how guys go out there for pre-warm-up yeah. and they would just, you know, run around with their headphones on? Mm-hmm. I would never do that. I didn't really? want to get – I didn't want to go on the field until it was time to go on the field. I I always stayed pretty loose. I did – I joked around with a lot of guys. Um, and I would always listen to – I would always sing to myself. Mm-hmm. This is one superstition. I would always sing to myself. It's a – gospel song and it's like precious lord okay take my hand lead me on and my it was in my grandmother's funeral my grandmother mary and so after i heard that song every time i would walk out before we do the introductions Mm -hmm. i would sing that song because you know they always say back in the you know back in bc the centuries and the the battles they would have they would sing Mm-hmm. before yes. a battle. Yes. Yeah. And so 
I heard that and I, I just sung that song. I mean, it's an old, it's an old church song. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm sure you wouldn't find it on, I don't know if you find it on YouTube <laughs> or anything, but it was played at my grandmother's funeral and, and some lady, I think it was a guy who sung the song and it really uh-huh. moved me. And so every time I would come out of that tunnel, man, it'd be like, precious Lord, take my hand. Because honestly, you're really going, you know, I know people say, well, it's not the military, blah, blah, blah. But you are going into battle. Yes, and, you are. Yeah. And, you know, you can honestly get really hurt. And you can, yeah. you know, leave that game not the same. So, you yeah. you know, I always thought like, hey, man, I want to put it out there in the atmosphere. You know, take my hand, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, lead me as I go out here and battle. And that was one of the superstitions. Those two things were really the only thing that I did that was kind of superstitious. Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. That man. is cool. That's cool. Yeah, Ian, go ahead. If you got one oh, more. and I got, uh, we'll, Yeah, we'll I got one up. more. So, um, obviously, you played in the league a long time. You got to play in a lot of different places. Did you have a favorite stadium that you played in? Yeah, besides Three Rivers, I like Kansas City. Oh. I, I, I like Arrowhead because – it had an atmosphere that was similar to college. You know, the, you yeah, see all the tailgating, you know, the stadium is kind of out there in the cut a little bit, especially when it's kind of like fall colors for some reason. And we, we seem to always play in Kansas city. They never played us oh, not in man. the nineties. We always yeah. played. In always Kansas city played for, there. Yep. Yes. For whatever reason, like, yep. you know, the draw, but I thought that, Kansas City was a great atmosphere. And the teams were similar in a lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. ground and pound. It was a tough game. Yeah. And I, I like Kansas City, man. I just like in the home of the Chiefs. I mean, it was a, a great atmosphere. And they, they probably have an even better atmosphere now that they just won that Super Bowl. Oh, so, man. yeah, I, I like Kansas City, man. I, I really did. That was a great place. I mean, Green Bay, you know, even in the yeah. cold, that was a good place to play. Uh, wherever the Raiders were playing. And I can't forget the old stadium at Cleveland. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah, man. I mean, the atmosphere. It was more the atmosphere than anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, those people would throw, like, doll biscuits at you, man, and the fans would be, <laughs> the fans would be unruly. But I like it. And I, I don't know how other players feel, but I like playing away especially if they're booing you really badly. That I'm usually like, means you're, you're doing something right if they're booing yes, you. Yes, like <laughs> they absolutely. It's, it's a dry game when the fans are kind of like, eh. But when they really absolutely hate your guts and they're booing you from the warm-ups <laughs> until the fourth quarter, it's the, to me, it's the best feeling in the world. And, you know, vice versa. When you come home yeah. and you're playing in Three Rivers, man, you want that crowd pumped up. So that energy level is incredible. And it, it has to be a little weird now that, you know, there's hardly any people in the stands and some are playing in an empty stadium. That's got to be weird because I really believe that the fans are definitely a part of the game. And yeah. it's a part of the momentum that you get in game. And it's a part of the energy. So it, it's going to be different this year. It really is. It, it, it's hard not to get that energy from the fans. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, it's got to be a weird feeling for these guys. Um, uh, Levon, I, I just want I want to ask you one more question. It's kind of personal. My my son is a a, a linebacker. Uh, uh-huh. He's been playing with the varsity. He's only a sophomore. 
And he asked me, he said, he said, who are you interviewing? And I told him. And so he looked you up and, and he said, so he was about six foot. And I said, six foot, six one. And, and my son is, is not going to have my height. He's very upset by that. Right. And, and he, he said, dad, will you please ask him what made him a great linebacker at his height? What was it that you did differently than say other linebackers? Wow. I, I'm a, I'm going to tell you truthfully, I never envisioned myself being an inside linebacker. I didn't play the mm-hmm. position until I got into um, the senior bowls and into the NFL. I never played it in high school. Right. I never played That's in right. college. And I think that playing different sports, like playing basketball, running track, really mm-hmm. helped me as an athlete. And I think it helped me with my movement. I know there's a lot of guys out there now that are training guys for a particular sport. I think the beauty of playing different sports while you're in high school Mm -hmm. can make you a better athlete. I I read this book called Range one time, and they were talking about uh, Tiger Woods compared him to uh, some golf, I mean, some tennis pro, Mm -hmm. and how the tennis pro actually played different sports, and it helped him to have a tremendous range in tennis. So I would mm-hmm. say, and I would try to encourage him, play other sports. Oh, and he does. And that's why I'm okay. so happy to hear you say that. Good. Yeah. I mean, because I think some kids, and I think some parents get caught oh, up yeah. in the Tiger Woods, uh, Serena Williams, put them in one sport, let them train, train, train like that forever. And it really doesn't give them a great range um, when they get to the next level. And I felt like being – being able to do all those different things mm-hmm. when I got to college, it helped me. But then I could adjust when I went to the inside. And believe it or not, I was a better athlete at the inside position, even though I was a bigger athlete. Right. I was a, a bigger linebacker, excuse me. I probably was a lot better athlete than most guys playing at that position because if you really carefully look at my career, and I'm just stating facts. Yeah, how many guys you know that could stuff the run, can run sideline to sideline, and actually cover guys? I'm not talking ten yards down the field, but I'm talking about twenty, thirty mm-hmm. yards down the field, running hip to hip with them. I don't think there's many linebackers that play the game who can do all those three things, and I was able oh. to do all those three things. So I would just say for him just to mix it up a little bit, do different movements. Um, you know, don't get stuck in just one sport, you know, play other sports because it's going to only enhance his football. So that's one of the biggest things I would tell him. Do other sports because you get to move in different ways. So uh, yeah, that's the one thing I would tell most athletes, just do different sports while you can. I couldn't agree more. I, I get so tired of the specialization. Yes. Um, I, I just, I love to see kids play multi-sports and, yeah, and let them be, uh, you know, let them be kids. I mean, yeah, well, that too. I mean, that too. Yeah. I think sometimes parents get a little too serious Yep. about it. And I remember my, my daughter, she's a really good volleyball player. And she was just like, well, dad, I'm not going to play volleyball because of COVID. I said, that's fine. I said, but you will do something physical. Yeah. You will work out, you yeah. will run, <laughs> you're going to do something physical. You're not just going to, okay, I'm not doing sports, so I'm chilling out. I say your body will be active if you're not going to play sports. Yeah. Uh, and she told me, well, Dad, I'm going to play next year. I'm like, it's your oh. choice. 
but you're going to do something physical. You're, you're, you're going to do some exercise. You're going to do some working out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to make sure your body is in the, the best shape it can possibly be. So, yeah, I would tell any player, your son especially, mm-hmm. hey, do different things. You know, yeah. get some different ranging. You know, if you, even if you don't play on the teams, just go out there and shoot some hoops. You know, get yep. get a five on five with somebody. You know, be, say be you active. know, run track just for the competition and understanding how to run or throw or do something different. Play baseball. Just do some something, do something different. <laughs> than playing football. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't that's agree great more. great advice for, for me to hear, too, because I've got four young boys. My oldest is almost 10, so that's that's great for yeah. me as they start to get into this Man, uh, sports playing age, different too. Sports, yeah, because it's going to – I'm telling you, honestly, I think it's a little bit uh, – I would say a little overrated a lot mm-hmm. of times. You know, I take, for example, guys who train quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Now these guys are they, – they think that a quarterback – think that a quarterback – and then they go to the next level, and they want to play quarterback so bad, even when somebody says, hey, like, hey, listen, I think you make a great tight end, or mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you make a great DB. But these trainers are talking to them and saying, like, man, you're a quarterback. Man, you're a quarterback. And I, I think that's unfortunate because, oh, I, I, yeah. because I remember – Art Shell coming to me when I was at the Senior Bowl, and I thought I was the next Lawrence Taylor, you know, coming out. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he came to me and said, hey, we're going to put you at the inside linebacker. And I was like, okay. I'm like, wow. In my mind, I was like, I never played that position before. But I was like, sure. But then I thought, well, if they think that I make a better inside linebacker, it's probably true because mm-hmm. these guys look at look at players all the time, and you know you sometimes you just need another perspective because you yeah, see it one definitely. way, one way, one way. Sometimes you need to understand that if somebody say, "Hey, I th- hey, you know what? I can see you doing this." A lot of people want to reject that, but sometimes it could be in your best interest, and they see something that you don't quite see. So, mm-hmm. Art Stell basically saw something that I didn't quite see. And I end up playing a position that I never, ever thought in the world that I'd play and actually doing a really good job at it. Because I, I thought I wanted to be an outside linebacker. Or, you know, even growing up, I thought I wanted to be a wide receiver. But <laughs> I did. I mean, I did in high school. Yeah. And I returned yeah. plays and kickoffs. And you kind of think that that's what you're going to be. And then you kind of get up and they say, like, hey, Let's try this. You know, I think we, I think you'd be a better player here. And I remember um, really quickly mm-hmm. when I was at Clemson, they wanted to put me back at tight end. I played outside linebacker. And right. I know this is kind of different than what I said, but I was a redshirt freshman. And Coach Ford was like, hey, do you want to do you want to move the tight end? And then there's sometimes you have to trust yourself. And at Clemson at the time, it, it's not like it is now. The tight right. end was always blocking. Block. I'm like, I don't really like blocking that much. <laughs> it's funny. I like hitting, but I don't like blocking. Right. So I was like, that's funny. No, nah, I'm, I'm just going to say it outside linebacker. And he really, he didn't get mad. He appreciated it. And that was a chance for me to play right away. You know, oh, that's true. Like, yeah. 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 I was just like, no, I, I, I think this outside linebacker thing is pretty cool. So 
I stayed with that's, it. So. That's great. Uh, Levine, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We're, uh, we're going to get John out of here. And um, again, everybody check out uh, Levine on the Believe in Clemson football podcast. He's covering his, his uh, alma mater down there. And uh, I think they're sitting at number one in the country as uh, college football gets rolling. And uh, anyway, Levine, thank you so much and, and have a great night. All right. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Anytime you need me on the show, let me know. Okay. Hey, absolutely. We'll take you up on it. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Levi. Yeah. All right, you were just right. listening to uh, our little interview there with Levon Kirkland, uh, the former Steeler great inside linebacker, um, still doing some podcast work now with uh, uh, for the Clemson football stuff. And and uh, man, I, I Ian, I could just sit here and listen to him forever. Um, I just, I mean, just the knowledge and the experience that comes from him. Um, I could just sit back with a, a, a nice glass of whiskey and listen to him the whole time. <laughs> that's basically what I did through the whole show. And that was, that was awesome. That was, that was great. Like I didn't even want to ask a question cause he was just going on and with like so much great information that I was like, I don't want to interrupt him. I'm just going to let him talk. This was, this, I, that was so cool. Um, yeah. that, I mean, and he talked about that defense they played on and oh, man. that was, the, I mean, not only was that defense so good, but I remember hearing, you know, guys from a few years ago, like Ryan Shazier and them talking about how, you know, mm-hmm. they felt like when the Steelers defense was struggling, it was because guys were trying to do too much. They were trying to play outside yeah. themselves. Yeah. And really what they meant was they were trying to cover for other people because they had guys that weren't as good on the field and they were trying to cover up for their mistakes and in turn got themselves out of position. And Levon made the point that they had so many ballers on that defense that they could go out there and just play their position because they knew the guys behind them or the guys in front of them were going to make plays. And they even had the freedom to improvise that they knew they could go do something off script and the guys behind them would be there to cover for them. And when you have that much talent across the field, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I encourage anybody to, if you're curious, you love the Steelers, you know, watch some videos of that, that nineties era defense um, under coach Cower, coach Capers, coach LeBeau. Um, it, it was something special. And and again, thank you to uh, Levon. but uh, that's all the time we have for the steel city blitz Steelers podcast presented by deck in South Florida. And make sure you check out the website, steelcityblitz.com and we are on twitter at sc blitz and facebook and instagram and all that other good stuff so that is it and we will talk to you real soon as the steelers will play the denver broncos later this week and hey go steelers <laughs>